Good morning, Portland. Good morning, Jay County. This is Pastor Bob coming to you this morning with the gospel message out of the very first book of the Bible from Genesis. We are in the first week of February, and so we're moving right along and looking forward to the spring weather, although we've had a somewhat mild uh, winter, and so we're looking forward to uh, a nice summer coming up. But right now, we want to look into uh, Genesis, specifically chapter 3. Now, last week, we talked about chapter 3 a bit, and and it's just so much information here. A lot of times, I think we gloss over uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It's like, God created, but when we talk about that, and we memorize what God created on what days, and that's a good thing. We teach our kids to do that, and that's a good thing. But, you know, ultimately, what is God doing? And when we get down to uh, Genesis 3, and we talked a little bit about this last week, one of the things that kind of drives me nuts is when we add our own flavor or our own ideas to it. And so uh, what we have here is that the uh, man and woman have been created. They've been placed in the garden. God specifically commanded the man in uh, Genesis chapter 2 in verse 16, you're not allowed to eat from uh, the tree in the middle of the garden. You can eat freely from all the other trees. You know, so if there's a thousand trees, you could eat from 999 trees. And it's it's my belief system that, hey, listen, if God's going to create a garden for his people, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to have a lot of stuff in it because all of creation is living in, uh, you know, the birds are in the trees and the animals are, are around. And so this, this garden has to be huge, maybe bigger than the uh, entire property of Jay County, let's say. And so, you know, if if there's a garden and, and it encompasses all of Jay County, but if you want to just make it even smaller, let's just make it the size of Portland. It encompasses Portland. And let's suppose they had a tree that was over there by the uh, uh, airport on the on the north end of, of Portland. And so what I would want to do and what I think a person should do is God said, don't eat from that tree that's over there by the, the airport. So I'm going to stay, you know, in the Walmart area and further south and east and west and kind of try to stay out of that area because one of the things we'll see today is that when there is a situation that is tempting or challenging to you, your best bet is to stay out of that situation. We'll get to that in a minute. But right now, last week, we kind of focused on the fact that, okay, so God tells man, Man then must relay that to woman not to eat from this tree. And so she's got that information because when Satan shows up, she she knows that. But a lot of times we'll we'll hear people say like, well, that man should have stood up and, and defended his woman and, you know, and, and he should have made sure that the woman did the right thing. And, and that woman was listening to her man or her man didn't stand up. And we have all this stuff, but that's not happening here in Scripture. What we have here is God tells man to do something. Man relays the message. And so the woman has the message. And now here we see Satan. And I think the point of chapter three, at least the first part, is to see the craftiness of Satan. And then I think the second part is to see the caring of God. I, you know, a lot of times in in Bible uh, passages, and I know some folks hate when I say stories because it sounds like a once upon a time deal. But these Bible stories of David, these Bible stories, you know, David and Goliath, or or uh, you know, Gideon. It's not about Gideon. It's not about David. It's not about uh, it, man and woman here in the garden. It's about God and His response to us. And I love God's response to us here, and that's why I want to focus on that. Because God is an amazing God. Um, You know, there are truly thousands of gods in the world. Uh, There's one true God, of course. That's the God of creation, the God of Genesis 3. But there's a lot of, you know, you go to India, there's 5,000 different gods. And then, you know, there's uh, gods of 
people believe in, you know, the wind spirits. and There's all kinds of different gods. And so let's not get into that. There's one true God that's the God of creation. Uh, but if you were to even just kind of look at these other gods just for just a few minutes, you, you would notice there's a huge contrast between our God, the God of creation, and the gods of made-up minds in the fact that to appease your made-up mind God, you have to keep going to your God and appeasing him. Keep going to your God. Keep going to your God. Keep going to your God. But here, we're going to see something so amazing and interesting about our God is that our God is seeking us. Our God is coming out to us and engaging us because he loves his creation so deeply. He wants to be around his creation. He wants his creation around him. And so he doesn't just sit back on a throne, and he has every right to do so, by the way. He doesn't just do that and say, you come to me with your goods. You come to me with your best behavior. He comes out. Now, we're going to see that here. We we can jump over to, to, to Luke 15, my favorite passage in all the Bible of the, the prodigal son, because you see the father who represents God in that passage going out to both sons. This is, this is our God. He is so in love with you. He is so in love with his creation that he will not just sit still. He will actively engage because he wants his creation to be in his presence, because he wants to be around the things he created you, me, this universe. And so in in Genesis 3, when Satan shows up on the scene, if you remember last week, we talked about how Satan drops the Lord, Lord God. He drops the word Lord from the definition of or the description of God. Now, Lord God is Hebrew Yahweh Elohim. Now, the Yahweh, the Lord part, is kind of the relational nature of God, how he relates to us. And the Elohim is the powerful nature of God, how he creates. And and so I like to uh, say that this Yahweh Elohim is relational power. And so as Satan approaches the woman, he cannot deny, even Satan will not deny the power of God. I know there's a lot of folks in the world that say there is no God. They deny the power of God. But Satan, he knows better. He's actually seen it. He's seen the power of God. And so when he approaches the woman, he doesn't deny the power of God. He denies that God wants to have a relationship. So he makes the woman think, God doesn't really want anything to do with me. Oh, yeah, he's the power, and he's not going to deny the power. She's probably seen it. She knows the, the, the ability he has to create. He, she knows this God. And so she knows he, she can't deny the power. But does God really want to have a relationship with me? I think that's a question not only for Genesis chapter 3 for Eve and the tempting of Satan to Eve and to Adam, but the question we ask today, I think a lot of folks are wondering, does God really want to have a relationship with me? And that's a, that's a, a great question. I'm going to give you the answer. So, so yes, God does. And some folks may be thinking, but you don't know how bad I am. You don't, you know, a lot of times when I was a youth minister and I was just sharing this that with the, uh, some folks at church, I would say to kids, write your friends to church. And they would say things to me like, you don't know my friends. They, they use bad language. And, and what they're trying to say, they're trying to give it to me easy. You know, my friend does, you know, smokes pot. My friend drinks. My friend cuts school. My fr-. But, you know, my friend uses bad language. And I go, but I know all the words. And so I'm not offended by that. We, we can talk about that. We can grow from that. And, you know, the, the idea is that God wants to be in relationship with his creation. So, you're, no, you're not to it. Are there things in your life you have to fix? I'm not going to deny it. I don't know your life. But there are things in my life I need to fix. And so I already know that. But I can't fix them apart from God. I had a good friend in the Bronx, Paulie. 
I worked with him, and I said, hey, Paulie, uh, before work, I, I like to go to the gym. You want to come to the gym? We'll work out together. And Paulie said, hey, that's great. I'd love to go to the gym. Give me about you know six months. Let me get into shape. I said, Paulie, you don't go. To, you don't get into shape to go to the gym. You go to the gym to get into shape. And that's the same thing with the church. You don't get your life right and then go to church. You go to church to get your life right. We're a group of people trying to get our life right. We don't have it together. If we had it together, we wouldn't need God. We need God. And so the, the folks at the Portland Church of Christ are people in need of God who do not have it together. In fact, I think if you have it together, you probably don't need to go to the Portland Church of Christ. But this is a group of people that say, hey, listen, we're not here because we got it together. We're here because we need to get it together. And we help each other try to do that on a regular basis. One of the ways is, of course, studying God's Word. We're big Bible people. We open the Bible. We read the Bible. And so we're going to do a little bit of that as our time's ticking down here. So we're in chapter three. I'm going to get reevaluate or reread uh, the first few verses, which we did. Now, the serpent, this is verse one of chapter three in Genesis. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. Notice which the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God, no Yahweh, no Lord, just God, said to you, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden, we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now she's confused in her understanding because God didn't say that, at least not in our scripture, we don't have that. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good for evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. And she took from the fruit and ate it and gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves uh, loin coverings. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and a man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Here's Lord God back. Hid themselves from Yahweh Elohim, the relational power. Hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, we're going to stop there because I don't think that's, that, that's so much, so much right there. Because here it is, Satan is tricking this woman, and he's kind of even using God's word. Did God really say that? Did God say about this tree? And he's pointing to the tree. Now, here's the challenge. I said, don't be where you're not supposed to be. You know, if you have a problem with drinking, you don't need to be around alcohol. They tell you that in Alcoholics Anonymous. Your family should be protecting you from that. Why? Because that's the temptation. If you have a problem stealing money, you don't need to be a bank teller. A construction worker would be just fine where there's no readily available money. So you have to... Take yourself out of the situation that causes the most problems for you. Like I said, if this tree was over at the airport, I'd be down, you know, Walmart or below. I wouldn't be anywhere near it. If you have a problem with pornography, you don't need to be on a computer in the basement in the middle of the night where no one's watching. You need to have your computer set up where everybody can see that screen to protect yourself. Don't be around the stuff that causes you to stumble. Satan will, will hone in on that. And he will cause you to fall. If you have a problem with drugs, don't hang around your drug addict friends. It's not going to be good for you. You're going to wind up getting caught back in that. If you have a problem with anything, don't be hanging around the people who perpetuate that. You need to be hanging around with the people who can help you through that. That's the church. That's why we hang around one another. I want folks to help me move forward in my Christian walk, and I hang around people of the church. And so we say that's where you need to be because these are the folks that want the best for you. And so he tells them, listen, you can have that. You're not going to die. God knows that. Your eyes will be open. And sure enough, they eat. 
their eyes are open. We can talk a little bit about death because some people say, well, they started to die. I, I don't think the word death here is the way we perceive death with a cessation of life where you stop having air in your lungs and, and blood coursing through your veins. I think when God talks about death many times, and here is the separation from God. That's a big deal to God. You dying is not really a big deal to God. First of all, he can raise you from the dead. When we get into the New Testament, Jesus raises the widow of Nain's son. He didn't ask to be raised. He raises Lazarus. He didn't ask to be raised. Raising the dead is no big deal for God. But when you separate yourself from God, that's a big deal. Something big's going to have to happen. Jesus coming into the world to save our sins and dying on the cross. That's how big it is. That's how important it is. That's how powerful it is. And so God knows that. And so here, they don't necessarily die physically, but they separate from God. And and, and I just told you how powerful and how much information is here in chapter 3. And we haven't even got up to one of the most amazing parts of God, although we touched on a little bit. We're going to have to come back to this next week. Genesis chapter 3 is full of the mercy and love of God. We're going to see some stern words from God. And when you love someone deeply, you sometimes have to be stern and you have to be forceful for the betterment of their lives. And that's what we're going to see in God. We invite you down to the Portland Church of Christ. We meet at 9.15 for Bible study, 10.20 uh, for worship. We're going to have a coffee break, and you're always welcome to come on down and, and study with us and share. On the fourth Sunday of every month, we have a carry-in where we eat together. Uh, on the fifth Sunday, providing the weather is good, we're going to be meeting over at El Camino, have a little Bible talk as we have our meal together, and you're invited to that as well. So may God bless you this day. Uh, And may you seek God because he's seeking you.